0: Um, welcome back, everybody. It's uh, Elite Business Live uh, here uh, live in London and then virtually uh, streaming live. But also, if you're catching up, welcome. Uh, two days of content uh, this year again and um, really enjoying your contribution. So thank you for your questions. And also, anyone using that hashtag, EBL 2022, really useful reflections. Thank you. Someone in the corridor said that uh, we've made them think differently about the metaverse. Actually, they will be having a conversation at their next board meeting about it, so thank you. Uh, Another guest, I'm not sure whether this is a compliment, said, I've got to leave a bit early because I've picked up four new business leads from yesterday that I now have to put into action. So uh, sorry they'll miss it, but I hope they'll catch it up online. But uh, thank you for that nice bit of feedback that someone gave me over coffee. Our next session is about talent, and uh, really looking forward to a great panel. But before that, uh, why don't we get ready to meet our next keynote speaker. This is Elite Business Live 2022. A very warm welcome. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm Ollie Barrett, your co-host alongside Hannah Previtt, and it's now time to talk about all things talent. Um, I'm very interested in two very different worlds, one, the startup, the Maverick, the Disruptor, the very early stage company. But I'm almost as interested in the really established companies and how they go from A to B. How do they get their head round? Because you might think they've got the money, you might think they've got the resources, but actually, what does that journey look like for them? Now, a company that knows a bit about that, to say the least, is CGI. It is one of the largest IT and business consultancies in the world, a bit of a who's who of who they work with. And I'm very happy that uh, one of their senior vice presidents is the person I'm introducing now. Because when I hear about what Donna Kelly has done with her career, be it at Direct Line Group, Fujitsu, and now at CGI, it's very clear to me, as it will be clear to you, she cares about tech, but she also cares about tech with a purpose. So it gives me great pleasure to ask for your welcome to the brilliant Donna Kelly. (laughs) Thank
1: (laughs) Thank you. Hello Donna. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much, Ollie, and I like the introduction as well. Yeah, well, you've you. worked with
0: some amazing <laughs> firms, so... Uh,
1: yeah, pretty, pretty large organisations, yeah, yeah, certainly the world leaders.
0: Yeah, and it's good to be back in a room as well, I must oh, say. Oh,
1: it's so you. lovely to see so many faces, so yeah. uh, hi, everybody.
0: No, no, no Zoom today, I'm afraid, but uh, no, Donna, <laughs> we're, uh, we're all is. so thank you very much.
1: OK, thank you. Um, so um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background uh, into my journey. Uh, so I started off life as a nurse It wasn't ever something that uh, I thought that I would do. But when I was young, career opportunities, especially for women, tended to be in the caring sector. And so I literally started off life nursing, started working in accident emergency, worked in Great Ormond Street as a sick children's nurse. So quite an an extended, I suppose, experience in that world. Um, I then became a parent and unfortunately, I'll well, say fortunately, unfortunately, um, a single parent at that. And it didn't allow me to continue doing nursing in the way that I was. In those days, there was no flexibility in working, you had to work the shifts, and being a parent of a young child, that was almost impossible to get childcare. So I found myself working in a factory as their industrial nurse. So I've gone from this thriving, very, very fast-paced, accident and emergency world to occasionally doing an ear syringe and giving, uh, you know, some paracetamol. Right next door to where my surgery was, and I was always very proud that I had my own surgery, but right next door was the IT suite. So just purely out of boredom, and I didn't want to sit in there on my own all day long, I started spending a bit of time with the IT guys. They started giving me a bit of training. Just out of curiosity, I started learning. And eventually, they said, why don't you apply for the job in the IT department? And I was like, don't be daft, I'm a nurse. And they'd be like, no, 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 you can do this. There were no men in the industry at that time. And I'm talking over 30 years ago. So I started working in IT, and I felt that actually my skills were quite transferable, and I find this a lot now in our industry. So I knew nothing about tech, but what I did know about was how to communicate with people, how to solve problems, how to find solutions, but probably most importantly was about how I could translate things. So I'd gone from working with consultants who talk in a very complicated jargon language to having to translate that to patients to actually tell them what was wrong with them and what we're going to do about it. So that learning skill and those skills being transferable kind of enabled me to establish a career in IT. So I think, you know, my fir- my, kind of my, my first lesson really was I had no bias, or I thought I had no bias, because, you know, being a nurse, you don't look at anybody in a hospital bed and think, you know, what race they are, what sexuality they are. There's no such thing, you're literally dealing with everybody. So, I since have found out that I do have a bias, and I'll share that with you a little bit later. It's not something that I'm hugely proud of, but I do have a bias. Um, So, I joined CGI approximately, well, it was eight years ago. And after the first year, we had a couple of networks. So, we had a women's network, and we had, I think at the time, it was probably an LGBT network. And the women's network was considered to be a place that women went to go knitting. There was always a joke, you know. I mean, all the women in the room will probably nod knowingly at this because it's exactly what it was like. Um, And the LGBT community were all about pride. So it was great to have networks at that time, but they weren't really beneficial or useful in the way that I thought they could potentially be. So, within CGI, we establish networks that, first and foremost, have to be voluntarily participated in. So, we don't employ anybody that's job title is DNI. and i Mine isn't. I run a business. Probably 180 million P&L turnover each year, 600 employees. So, being the executive sponsor for DNI and i is something that I do because I want to do it. I think if you employ somebody to be responsible for DNI, it becomes their job, and everyone can point the finger and say, what are you doing about it? So we started off looking at our diversity across CGI. And it's not the easiest thing in the world to get metrics and measures, but certainly try to establish as much of that as you possibly can. The second thing that we did was we don't set targets against diversity and I think that's quite an important thing to do because how do you know when you got there? So is it when you get to 50% women, what happens when you get to 51 right? So we don't do that. But what we do do is we shine a spotlight on the areas of diversity and we can see where we are and we, we know, to, you know, you can tell. Why D&I is so important, obviously it's important because it's got to be a safe place. You've got to be able to come to work and you've got to be able to bring your whole self to work. Be you and be authentic. This is exactly what our clients want. But most recently I've started to recognise that actually D&I is so important because actually as consumers of just about every single product, you have to be able to relate to that as a consumer. So my example of this is I recently bought a car. It's about a year old now. And my car, 100% has been designed by a man. I know it's been designed by men. man. Firstly, because the heated seat panel literally makes... Well, number one, it makes me feel like I've wet myself. All women will agree with this, right? And secondly, where am I put... Well, it will set my vajayjay on fire, right? It literally is in the worst possible place. So I can never actually put the heated seat on. The second thing is I have grandchildren, I've got three grandchildren and anyone that's got children, young children or grandchildren will know that a car seat, you have to turn the airbags off if they're facing a certain direction. You you literally need a degree in my car to turn the airbag off. Now, had a woman designed that, there would be an airbag on off. Now, see, the men are looking thinking, is that right? I didn't realise. My car has not been designed by a woman. So I think just as an example, and this, this will go across all different diversities, not just women. International Women's Day, obviously, this week, so it is quite topical. But nevertheless, you know, that's the experience. So within CGI, in terms of governance, how do we set up our networks? We have to have people that have the life experience. So we wouldn't set up a network just because we thought we, you know, it's a great idea and you know, I'm going to champion the campaign. You have to have the life experience. You have to be voluntary, voluntary done. And equally, you have to only do the role for 18 months as a maximum. So make sure that there's a community coming behind. Everybody is welcome to join the networks and that includes allies as well. So you don't just have to have a life experience. So we have a women's network, we have a disability network, we have an LGBT plus network, and we have a BAME network. So there are four main headings in terms of networks. And I'm sure everybody's got the same. But underneath those, we also have what we call capability groups as well. So within the ni- women's network, we would have a menopause group. And actually, our menopause group, had a, we call them know-hows, and they run at lunchtimes. Anyone can book a slot, and you can give a ed- ed- piece of education, a bit of development to everybody. It was attended by more men than it was by women, because wives, sisters, mothers, etc. everyone kind of wanted to know a little bit more about it. We have a part-time workers group as well. And the first thing that we always say to part-time workers is stop apologising. Stop saying, I'm really sorry I don't work on a Friday, or sorry I didn't answer your email because you know, I'm part-time. You don't need to, to apologise for anything. The key mantra of all of our networks is that they're there to share their own experiences, to support each other, but most importantly it's about education. And this is kind of how we get onto the development piece. So, within CGI, everybody has to attend unconscious bias training. And I'll come back to the unconscious bias training piece. So, my bias is that it, I, it's called benevolence. It's a benevolence bias. And this is probably because of my background and my history and the fact that I used to be a nurse, and a very caring individual. But I had recently had two people apply for the same role. One was a woman and one was a man, both equally qualified. But I knew that the woman had small children and I knew that the commute was from London to Birmingham every day. And so I made the decision on her behalf, which is the most shocking thing to do, that it would be best for her to not be successful in achieving that role and it'd be better for the man. Because I didn't, I was thinking of the children, I was thinking of how she going to childcare, all of these kind of things. So, because of, because of my caring nature, I thought that was the right thing to do. I did actually stop myself and before I made the appointment, uh, because someone pointed it out to me, which is always a really good thing. Speak up, always correct people. And I spoke to the the lady and said, Look, you know, I wasn't going to take this application forward because you've got young kids, right? And how, are you, how, you know, is that not a concern to you? And she said, absolutely not. My mum and dad live in Birmingham, and I've been looking for an opportunity to move up there for years. And I was like, oh, so be aware and be knowledgeable of your own bias, and don't be ashamed to say what it is either, but work on it. So now every opportunity I get, I always think, is that just you, Donna, being overly caring? You know, what gives you the right to be able to do that? So, um, mentoring is also a key part as well, and I always say to people, you know, they contact me, you know, Donna, would you be my mentor, you're a woman, you know, role model, those kind of great things. Um, And my response to that is, what is it you want to achieve from it, and what is the the goal, what is the aim? So, it's normally because somebody wants to get promoted within the organisation or they want to increase their visibility, And I might not be the right person for that. It might be a man. You know, why always use that affinity bias, which everybody does? You look for someone like you to use as a role model or a mentor. So trying to think about your own biases, because you may have an affinity bias as well. So um, another thing that kind of I, I think we should educate ourselves about is about being sensational or over sensational to the point. Um, I've had situations where uh, um, one of our staff has come to me and said, I, I want to raise a grievance, I want to raise a complaint about a certain situation that's just happened. You know, you're, you're the exec sponsor for D&I and falls right into your category. So I asked them to explain what the situation was. And this particular lady said that she had lost quite a lot of weight over the pandemic period. And she went back into the office and she worked in a team of men and she walked in and they were like, oh, you look great, you look fantastic. And so I'm listening, thinking, okay, what's wrong with that? I kind of like that. So she said, no, 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 that's not the problem. One of the guys turned around and said, you look fantastic, but you lost your boobs. And you know, you kind of gasp and go, oh my God, I can't believe somebody actually said that. But it is very, very, very rare that somebody would intentionally set out to cause you harm. It's so rare that normally it's just people's education. It's just what people understand and what people know and how people need to act. So I said to her, look, you know, you're going to raise a grievance. You know, we're going to have a hearing and yada, yada, yada. You know, isn't it better that we just educate this individual and just tell him how he made you feel? And I said, if you're not comfortable doing it, I'll do it. And she was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm OK, I'll do it, I'll do it. We we do normally get on OK. So she did, and that's it. Finished. You know, someone now is educated, and that's a really great thing. Um, the other thing is around inclusivity, is about, I would say, it probably falls more into the BAME community or the BAME networks than it does in any other. But it's, your parents gave you a name. And how many times do people mispronounce your name? Uh, I work with somebody called Siobhan, and everyone calls it well, anything from Han to, you know, have you ever met a Neve? I mean, you know, there are so many different names out there. And. As a presenter, I've stood up up in a similar situation to to give out awards, and I look down at the bit of paper and I look at the name and I just think, oh, my God, how do you pronounce that? Because there can be nothing worse than someone getting your name wrong. I mean, you know, it's like the first level of respect is getting somebody's name right. So one of the things we've introduced within CGI is we call it Swan, starts with a name. So now everybody's signature, if they've got a complicated pronunciation, now phonetically spells out their name. So, Siobhan will just be S-H-E-V hyphen E-N, Siobhan. So easy, right? It's not how she spells it, it doesn't sound that way, but phonetically spelling, I think, is really important. Um, And the last thing that I just wanted to say as well is with all the networks that we have, Um, we don't just let them kind of get on with it in their own network. We also use the information that they've given us, and we get them to help us. So we have what's called a shadow board. And our shadow board is made up of all of our diverse networks, but it's also made up of different levels within the organisation. So they can be juniors, they can be more seniors, different levels and grades. And when we as as a team, a board, who are of a certain age, lots of experience, et cetera, et cetera, have to deal with challenges or yeah, some kind of innovation. We have to... We think about it with a, one lens only. And so, we recently... We're refurbishing one of our offices, um, so we can go back to hybrid working, but we're going to make the offices a lot more collaborative in terms of working, I guess everybody is. And one of the guys on the uh, call said, senior vice president said we probably want something funky and he used the word funky and I said the fact that you've used the word funky probably means we're not the right people to decide what we should have. So those kind of examples are the things that we take to the shadow board. So we sit down great diverse group of people and say to them we're refurbishing the offices what things would you like? And I'll, I'll issues in the word funky. And they've come up with lots of different ideas, different like, seating arrangements or different, you know, we've got immersive technology, so gaming in there, so people can use that. So, yeah, please, you know, consider that. But mostly importantly, and I'll end with, find out what your bias is. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Um, I thought that was brilliant. Wouldn't you agree? That was (laughs) really, really great. Thank you. um, you. So, on that final question then, um, find out what your bias is. Mm. How do we do that starting today, starting
1: on Monday? What what, what does that look like in practical terms? So, there are formal training courses that you can do and we'll probably be talking a little bit more about those later. There are ways in which you can test yourself. But just, I think personally, I think just generally... Look at what others are doing and what others are saying. And if it makes you feel kind of slightly uncomfortable, bring it to their attention. So it's not necessarily inward looking, because I don't think you're always going to recognise it yourself, but observe it in others and say something. So call it out. Love it.
0: So how about a sort of related question? Because um, we seem to be living in a world today, being a literal example, where we're being recorded, where it's very much on record. So what have you learned about how to have difficult uncomfortable conversations because you know people can live in fear that they might say the wrong thing they're treading on eggshells but
1: we have to have this i say the wrong thing all the time i saw you cringe when i said jj no (laughs) i did
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i I just thought that that phrase that you used was a compliment (laughs) but no
1: (laughs) um Don't be afraid. Be yourself. Be your authentic self. Um, um, I'm I'm from East London. You know, I talk with a a certain accent that uh, in my industry and at my level, people kind of like reel back from and say, oh, I didn't expect you to sound like that, you know, with your job. And I did try to adjust that. I did try and change it. You know, not saying I went as far as elocution lessons, but I certainly thought about there is a certain way that I need to speak. And it's not. Why? Why do I need to be anything different than I am? You know, so just being authentic. And if people are worried about what they're saying... I I ask people all the time. I speak to the BAME community, you know, and I would say to the BAME community things like, you know, what's the right terminology to use? Ask them. You know, I met the other other day with a guy who's profoundly deaf, and I said, thank you for listening. He had an interpreter, he had someone signing, and I said, thank you for listening. I mean, what? And... And he never he never picks it up, and I stopped myself, and I said, can I just ask you, did I just offend you? Is that w- what I just said? And he said, no, 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 just because I can't hear, what the sign language lady did, just because I can't hear doesn't mean to say I'm not listening. Yes. But, you know... Ask always call it out.
0: Yeah, and it m- massively on my mind. I spent two days um, last week with the International Agency for the Prevention and Blindness, and it made me realise how many of the turns of phrase I use are yeah. very, very visual. Yeah, it, it, it does though, Donna. Come back to what I was interpreting from you saying, which was it could depend on what place it comes from. Is yeah, it coming from a place of malice, is it? coming from a place of yeah. caring and love. And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that seemed to be what you were talking about. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And like I said, I, it is very, very rare that it is coming from a place of malice. Like it's so it's really extreme that that happens. Of course it does. And if it does, you formally deal with it. But generally, it's just about educating.
0: So, so why don't we just go back briefly to this point on um, measuring um, in terms of al- almost benchmarking. So, mm. so what what are you able to capture? because I I note why you take certain measurements with a pinch of salt, right? But but what what do you measure?
1: So, you know, government dictates that we do gender pay gap data, Mm, right? mm. Uh, CGI has uh, recently published its ethnicity pay gap data as well. We look at the ethnicity. All this information, by the way, is kept confidential, so we just use it for data purposes. But we look at representation across the organisation as well, what levels within the organisation, how many women are VPs, you know, how many BAME members, for example. And that, as I said earlier, just shines the spotlight and it makes you think, why is that? What do we need to do about it? How do we need to develop our talent to reach those levels?
0: Yeah, no, r- really powerful and good to see the government sort of back on that. Cause it was it Sort of put on pause, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, ethnicity, I think next year it's going to be mandatory for mm. organisations to publish their pay gaps.
0: Yeah. Did you see that very provocative bot on Twitter on International Women's Day? I, I don't that, know. That I said, well, it said, if you tweet about International Women's Day, I will retweet your gender pay gap. <laughs> It's worth having a little look at because that's exactly <laughs> what they did, and it was quite shocking, actually. Um, how do you make somebody within your organisation feel close to the organisation, even if they're working remotely, part time? What, what, what have you learnt about that, even in practical terms?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the pandemic, in certain ways, has been an absolutely fantastic thing, and in other ways, it's been a dreadful thing. I think, you know, hybrid working going forward is the right balance. So. In terms of what hasn't worked so well, I think people have more... It's, from my experience, it's mostly been the younger population within our organisation. So the guys that want to come in, they want to network, they want to establish a bit of a social life. You know, they've really, really struggled. They've been working in a, you know, their parents' back bedroom or mm-hmm. something, which has just been shocking. Um, then there's the other 50% of the population who have absolutely thrived on it and loved every second, every single moment. They've got better mental health out of it. They've improved their well-being. So I think going forward, you know, there needs to be that balance of a bit of both.
0: Yeah, it's that blend. It really is, it? yeah. Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm very interested in that because you've talked very clearly, I think, and refreshingly honestly about what happens inside CGI, your own role. But to, to what extent does that then pass on to how you work with other companies, is that something you offer? Because some oh, of yeah. us will be wondering, who do we go and talk to about this? Is it, is it our lawyer, our accountant? Probably not.
1: Yeah, and, and as I said, you know, you don't, you don't have people that should do the job as their job, as their full time job, because, like I say, everyone will point the finger and say, What are you doing about it? Yeah. You need to find people within your own organisation that have a passion for it, but equally a lived experience. So there's no point in setting up a menopause group with somebody who has never experienced the menopause because they won't have that kind of, say, same content or passion for the topic. Um, yes, I do. We do all the time. We work with all of our clients. Yeah. Um, we join up with all our different networks. We share all different ideas. Um, you know, we're not perfect, uh, but you know, hopefully working together, we'll all get better.
0: And, and, and can companies work together on this? Is, oh, sort of, uh,
1: absolutely, is, is yeah. that
0: something you sort of see in practice? Because that can be powerful.
1: Yeah, most definitely. So um, yesterday, for example, just as part of the celebration for International Women's Day, we had two of our clients on the panel. Yeah. So, you know, that, it's that kind of information. I work closely with a few of my clients, and I'm actually on their people board, so I'm not, I don't work for their company, but I sit on their people board. Mm. And again, we just share experiences. So yeah, we we are always willing to help. So that's a cool idea. So so just how
0: this is sort of an interesting term, their people board. So that's a yeah. separate panel. Does it have power? Is it yeah? So this sounding board.
1: Yeah. So within this particular organisation, which is a university. Um, they have representation, they call it a people board, so a group of individuals that represent the people. That again, it's a bit like our shadow cabinet, that come from a diverse, different population and do the best. This isn't about the student intake, this is about the staff that they have working within the university. Love it.
0: What a brilliant idea. I think really, really could mm. be used by so many organisations of different sizes. Uh, Donna, will you stay with us for our I'd panel discussion? To. I'm not letting you off yet. <laughs> really, really enjoyed that. Thank, thank you. you very much. Donna Kelly, thank you very much. Please have a thank seat. Thank you. Uh, As Donna takes her seat, we're going to get ready to meet uh, our brilliant panel for the next chapter of our discussion in just a few seconds' time.